Let's go to the book of Luke, to a gospel according to Luke, chapter 9. I'm grateful to God for everybody that's streaming in. Glory to God, glory to God. You, you, it's, you don't really know the impact you're making until you get out and, and you begin to, as Jesus said, who do men say that I am? People were running up to us all week and telling us how much they watch this ministry and telling us how they see our social media and telling us how blessed they are by this ministry and how what a testament this ministry is to so many in such a short period uh, of time span that the Lord has favored this ministry in the way that he has, that, that we are able to lock in a, a location for at least one year a school auditorium where there's some people who've been meeting for months and months and months and for years and still look nomadic or still meeting in, a, in, in a, a small classroom. But the Lord has favored us and graced us, graced us with a great praise team, and graced us with, with great sound people, and graced us with great people on the camera. He's graced us. He's graced us. In fact, next week I'm, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to start a three-week series on, on favor and how to walk in the favor of God. And you gotta know that you have the favor of God on your life. If I get too excited, I mean, I'm preaching it this week. So so, uh, so you gotta come back at least in the next three weeks to invite somebody. I'm excited about what God is doing. Luke 9 and verse 57. When you have it, say amen. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, Suffer me to go on, to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But thou, but go thou and preach the, God, the kingdom of God. And he said also, he also said, something I read and think in my head at the same time, that's not what it's not. Lord, I will follow you, follow thee, but let me go bid them farewell, which are at my home, at my house. And Jesus said to him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for yeah. the kingdom yeah. of God. Very interesting. Yes, it is. Three different encounters. All on the same road. For a few minutes, let's talk about consistency, conclusions, and closure. Consistency, conclusions, and closure. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment. We thank you for your grace, your auspicious grace. We thank you for your glory. We thank you 
presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for what you're about to do. We thank you for being sovereign. You sovereign. You forever reign in our lives. Now in this moment, God, we ask that you will speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Speak unto us, God, new life, God. You know why we came here. You know why we longed on, God. You know what we stand in the need of. And God, we are forever careful to praise you for what you are about to do. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Consistency, conclusions, and closure. So a lot to unpack. I wanted to um, not have too many formalities. Let's just get straight to it. The book of Luke. The book of Luke is different from all the other gospels uh, that is written because the book of Luke is is written by Luke the physician, Dr. Luke. He is a physician. He is a, a physical physician. He's not just. He didn't just get his doctorate in biblical studies. They didn't have him there. He is an actual doctor. And so uh, he is an uh, eloquent speaker, as it were. And so he is, he is uh, a doctor who speaks with eloquent thought and, and, and also a historian as well. So, that, so you would notice if you read the book of Luke how detailed it is in going into the, the, the life of Jesus Christ and how he puts a lot of emphasis on dates and and details of Jesus' life. And so it, you get to read in Luke's work, and you can also go to Acts, uh, the book of Acts, which is also written uh, mostly by Luke because uh, he, he almost, almost like he couldn't get it all out in the book of Luke, so he had to continue it in Acts, and he had more to say, and he and Paul would, were, were good friends, and they would go on missions together. In fact, Paul and Galatians, uh, uh, Colossians 4 and 14 called him Luke, the beloved physician, uh, and, and Demas greet you. He, he just loved Luke, and, and they had a great uh, love for one another. So when you read the book of Luke, it is a bit more detailed than just going chronologically down the life of Jesus. Luke had these stories and these encounters with Jesus every down just a little bit in the monitor. He had, just, he had all these encounters with Jesus and he wanted to point out to us the deity and the man all at the same time that existed within Jesus himself. So when we walk up to this particular story, this, uh, this, these three particular encounters, it's right after Jesus fed the 5,000. It's right after he uh, predicted that he was going to die. And so you've had these great miracles, and yet you've had this this preview of what's about to come. And so when Jesus is walking now along the road, he encounters these three individuals. And the first one says, Lord, I will go with you wherever, wheresoever you go. And Jesus said, uh, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. One thing that I really love about Jesus is that Jesus had this way of kind of telling you about yourself without really telling you about yourself. It was, 
he had this classy way of letting you know, I don't really believe you like you said. And so one thing that I've always valued is the, is the art of keeping it 100 but being very classy about it. And so I do believe that as you begin to flourish in life, it's not Bible, it's me, but you have to find a way to get your point across to people. And there's a way, sometimes you do have to go that other way, but there's a way to eloquently say, I don't believe what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I don't believe what you're saying. I, you know, I, the son of man have no place to lay his head. And so when I begin to pray and think about this, I begin to ask the Lord, what is it that you are saying in this passage of scripture between these three people? And he said, consistency, conclusion, and closure. And the first one is consistency. The reason why he said, I have no place to lay my head is because when the fox get re gets ready to go into their hole, that hole will always be there. When the bird gets ready to go to the nest, the nest will always be there. But when I get ready to lay my head down, I have no consistent place to lay my head. And the Lord said, some of his children are very inconsistent. And so you want to say, Lord, I will go with you wherever you are about to go. But not understanding what you are saying will make you, will cause you rather, to make a false promise you are not ready to actually fulfill. So you got to be mindful of that before you get ready to make these promises out here to people. I will go with you wheresoever you are going. you got to be mindful that wheresoever you are going means wherever you're going. I'm going to be right there. But the problem with today's society is that people are not consistent in their word. They're not consistent in who they say they are. The old folks said your word is your what? Your bond. I have nothing to stick to because I cannot believe the word you are saying. And so Jesus is saying, I want to believe you, but I know too much about you to lay the full weight of who I am on you. So my struggle is not that I don't believe that you love me. My struggle is I don't believe that you will be as consistent as you say in this moment. Because you saw all of the grand things I've done and you made that promise on that. But not realizing what it really takes to follow me. God told me to tell you what it takes to follow and to become great is going to take another level of consistency. Consistency. It's going to take another level of consistency in order for you to go higher 
in order for you to go towards the destiny God is calling you to, it's going to take another level of consistency, a solid place. Jesus said, I have no solid place to lay my head on, so I cannot get, I cannot promote you to the destiny or bring you along to the thing that I am ready to bring you along to, because when I get ready to lay my head down, I have no solid place to lay down. Because one day you in and one day you out. And one day you with me and one day you're not. And one day you up and one day you're not. I don't have anybody who is consistent for the fight. Consistent for the fight ahead. That's what the Lord wants you to be. Consistent for the fight. Consistent for the fight ahead, the fight for your destiny. See, the reason why the enemy comes in and tries to distract you is to get you to stop your consistency. See, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Well, that's just not an action. That's an attitude. That's a mode. That's a mantra. That's refusing to be bothered day after day after day, and sooner or later, the enemy will say, I can't get to him like I once did. I can't get to her like I once did. So let me find another way. Let me leave them alone for a while. Let me leave them alone in this area because you become consistent. That devil, I will not bow. I will not break. I will not give in. You become consistent in your stance. But anytime you become inconsistent, then the enemy sees a crack in the dam, a crack in the dam of your worship, a crack in the dam of your giving, a crack in the dam of your walk, a crack in the dam of your reading. The enemy says, all I need is a crack in the dam, and then I can go in and further chip away in it because where there is no consistency, there is no Solid place to lay Jesus' head. I don't have a solid place to lay my head because you're inconsistent. And it's whatever feels good. And you must understand the bigger issue Yes, you need to be consistent in your reading, consistent in your, your worship, consistent in your giving, consistent in your praying. But I've got to reemphasize consistent for the fight ahead, for your destiny, for what God has called you to do. Consistent for the fight for better. Because where God has taken you to, it's going to be a consistent fight. See, everybody is ready to get there, but nobody's ready for the consistent fight that it takes to maintain it. Everybody is ready to be on the stage to grab the mic, but grabbing the mic means that you have to consistently, you have to consistently fight to stay on top of the stage that you are on and not get and be imploded by the stage you're on. Right. Right. 
Everybody wants to be great. I don't care what field you're in. Everybody wants to be great. But it's going to take a certain level of gumption to be great in whatever field you're going into. Whatever field, whatever career path you're into, I guarantee you, if you see the top of that field, you're going to see a consistency among everybody who is at the top. Everybody who's at the top is just as competitive, and they're fighting. It's not that they're fighting for an ego. They're fighting to stay on top because they realize that any moment, as long as you show a weakness, then somebody else will come along and will overtake you. And that's what the enemy is saying. As long as I can see a weakness, then I know that I can find somewhere in you that is going to be inconsistent and I can knock you off of your kilter. Thus, I can make Jesus say, the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. This okay? Consistent for the fight. Say it with me. Consistent for the fight. Come on. Consistent for the fight. I'm not moving. I'm not bowing down. I'm going to stay right here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord consistent for the fight. I am consistent for the fight ahead. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were, uh, they were told that they need to bow to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had just built. And they said, okay, I see what everybody else is doing, but I'm going to be consistent in my attitude towards God, consistent in my worship of God, and I'm going to be consistent in my word to God, and I'm not bowing down to no image that you have created. I'm not bowing down to anything man says I have to do in order to stick around and to be in man's grace. I'd rather be in God's grace and in God's favor than be in your favor any day. And they say, even if it takes you throwing me in the fire, I'm still not going to bow down. Well, the funny thing about that is that he said, throw him in the fire. And he threw him in the fire. You, If you've been around Sunday school long enough, you know what that, that, that what happens next. He threw Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego into the fire, but he had to jump up out of his seat in amazement because he threw three in, but he, he looked down and he said, wait a minute, I know I threw three in, but it looks like there's four in the fire now. And so I am so excited and I get joy when I think about, when I refuse to bow down to inconsistency, when I refuse to bow down to my feelings, when I refuse to bow down to my emotions, when I refuse to bow down to man saying, it doesn't take all that, you don't have to do that, God knows your heart, you don't have to go to church all the time, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. I refuse to bow down, and when man starts criticizing me, and man throws me in a man-made fire, I never burn, my clothes never cinch, and guess what, I got a fourth man with me who you didn't count on, he is somebody else in the fire that you don't have access to because you chose to bow down to something else. Well, guess what, devil? I'm not in this by myself. 
And I got to thank God because no matter what life throws at you, no matter how hot the fire is, he said they should have burned up immediately. They should have burned up immediately as soon as they got in the fire. How are they not consumed by that thing? How are they not consumed by that thing? How did that person not let worry take them out? How did that person not let sickness take them out? How did that person not let depression take them out? Because I wasn't in this by myself, devil. If I was in it by myself, I would have burned up a long time ago. But because I didn't bow down to you and I didn't bow down to your pressure, guess what? My clothes look just the same. My mind is at peace and I'm walking around in the fire like it's a beach because I was never in it by myself. And I got to praise God. I'm getting too excited already. I got to praise God for when the devil thought he was going to take me out and the devil thought he was going to burn me up. Devil, you miscounted because you know you threw me in, but you didn't see the man standing next to me. I'm the man standing next to the man who walking around in the fire with me, making sure my clothes don't burn, making sure my family don't burn, making sure my job don't burn. He's in the fire with me, but you got to be consistent for the fight. Glory to God. Scream that out. Consistent for the fight. God, I didn't need a preach. I was trying to teach. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But this is this is this is this is why you got to be consistent for the fight. In John, 1 John 2 and 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. I'm gonna say it again. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would have been no doubt continued with us. But they went out, here's the last part, that they may be made manifest that they were not all of us. God said, some people who are walking away in your life, you've got to be consistently you. And let them walk away. If they want to walk away, they were not part of you. They were not part of the destiny God has called you to. You can't force them to be there. You can't make them be there. You can't kidnap them to be there. If they were part of you and part of the destiny, the book just said they would have been no doubt been able to stay with you. But because you had to go, see you later. I pack a lunch as you walk out the door. But if you were part of me and part of my next, there would have been no doubt you would have been right here. But because you are not right here, I'm going to bid you farewell. Hasta luego. See you later. God be with you. I see you on the other side of heaven because I got a destiny and I got to be consistent about who I am. And if you're going to be consistent about who you are, I'm going to be consistent about who I am. You got to be consistent for the fight. Glory to God. Consistent for the fight. I'm consistent my walk with the Lord. I'm consistent in my walk. And this is what you need to know. If you are consistent in your walk, you will begin to understand that the victory you have and the victory God has given you is consistent as well. Amen. It's a consistent victory. It's consistently victory. I'm consistently victorious. My God shall supply all of my needs. That's a consistent statement. 
I'm going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. That's a consistent statement. Not some. It's not an asterisk yet there. I'm going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. David said, I've, I've been old and I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. I've never seen it. Never is a consistent statement. Means I can go back to when I was a baby. I can go back to when my mom was a baby. I can go back to when my daddy was in school. But I can look all through the bloodline from the boat to now, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I can go further back from the boat. I can go all the way when he said, let there be, all the way up to now, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And I came to tell you, if you are consistent with God, you will realize how consistent God is with you. But because you are not consistent with God, you are judging God based off of your actions. God is not a judge where he's sitting around waiting to hold a hand of wrath to you and said, I'm going to hold a meal back because you didn't praise me today. He said, he said I'm not going to hold a meal back because you didn't praise me. I'm going to hold some of them blessings back, but I'm going to always feed my children. I'm going to be consistent with even when you are not consistent because I'm going to give you a safe place to lay your head even when I don't have one. The son of man have no place to lay his head. Consistency. This is not about wickedness. It's about commitment. It's about commitment. Paul said, for when I would do good, evil is present. That which I would not do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who should deliver me? When I want to do good, evil is present. And I'm stuck between trying to figure out which one to do. And the Lord said, it's because you're inconsistent with your fellowship with me. You give in too much to that old man. And because you're so inconsistent with me, you don't realize that what I have is better than what he's offering. Wow. And what I have can do more for you than what he's temporarily offering you. Because the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And so because you are inconsistent with me, you don't even realize that the devil is only... He's, he, let me tell you this. Thank you, Lord. Side note. The devil only has three categories he can get you in. That's it. The book of John talks about it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the only three things he can get you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So he says, I'm going to try to fight her here. That didn't work. I'm going to try to fight him here. That didn't work. I'm going to try to fight him here. That didn't work. It's a cycle of the same three categories. That's it. He'll have no new tricks. There's nothing new under the sun. He has nothing new. The only difference between you and somebody else sitting next to you is your flavor of the month. And he knows your flavor. 
He knows how to get you is what's going to be different than what gets her. He knows how to, what's going to get you is different than what's going to get him. But it's the same category. We can all put them under those same three categories. They're going to, the notes are going to be a little bit different based off of where you grew up, based off of who was with you in your life, based off of what school you went to. All them sins going to be different, but it's going to fall under one of those three categories. And so the enemy says, I'm going to get you on one of these three, and he's going to make us believe that he is trying something new and that this is a new sin. This is a new fight. Nobody else has ever fought this before, but the devil is a lie. I just told you, he only got three categories to fight you in. Consistent for the fight. This makes sense? This okay? Conclusions. Verse 59 says, and he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. It sounds so cruel. It sounds, it sounds really demeaning. Now, why would you, you call me? You call me. Like, Martin, they call me, Jesus. You call me and say, follow me. Let me go back and bury my father. And you won't even do that. You kind of rebuke me for that. Why? Jesus said, what I'm calling you to do, you can no longer keep your obligations to a dead man. And my question to you is, are you obligated to a dead man? Are you still obligated to a dead thing? God can't get his highest and best use out of you. He can't move you forward because before you do, let me go and fulfill my commitment to a dead man. Now, yeah, he wanted to go and fulfill the burial rituals, but the reality is the man wouldn't have known if he was there. The man had no breath. He had no life. He could no longer give him a response. And my question is, are you still committed to a dead thing? Committed to a dead thing. There is no more life there. There is no more breath there. There is no more activity in the limbs. There is no more response. But you're committed to a dead thing. It's dead. It's undeniably dead. It won't come back. It's not like it's going to be a Lazarus resurrection. It's dead. And God said, I can't get you to move forward because you are committed to a dead thing. And you haven't drawn a conclusion that that thing is dead. My God. It's dead and it's not getting up. It's dead and there is no movement. It's dead. The door is closed. Quit trying to knock on the door. The door is closed. It's finito. It's done. It's over. But you still keep trying to knock on the door. Let me see one more time. If I just knock on the door, God has made it clear. God told me to tell you. Somebody in the room or watching online, God has made it very clear. 
that thing is not for you. No matter how much you keep knocking, no matter how many times you keep going back, it's not for you. It's done. It's dead. Let somebody else bury it. I got something better for you because you're, you're still trying to hold an obligation. You're still trying to keep a commitment to a dead man who doesn't even know you're there. You're still trying to keep a, a commitment to a dead thing that doesn't even know you're there. Frankly, the man is on the other side. He wouldn't even care if you were there anyway. So you're trying to keep a commitment to somebody who is not there, something who is not there, something that cannot respond to you. It can't say thank you. It can't say you did a good job. It can't say you did well. It can give you no response because it is a dead thing. Dead. Dead, dead. No matter if he's been dead for four days or 40 years, dead is dead. You can't be no dead. He dead. It's dead. The relationship is dead. The opportunity is dead. You wanted it. It's over. It's dead. God has made it perfectly clear. It's dead. It's died. Died, died. Died, died. It's dead. And you still want to keep a commitment to it. You still want to keep a commitment to what you were 20 years ago. It's dead. God said that thing is dead. Let the dead bury the dead. Go further. Go further. And the enemy is haunting you. By the words of a dead thing. If you would have just did this. If you would have just done that. If this would have happened. If this would if you would have been with that person. If this would have happened. If they would have stayed. If you would have got that job in Columbus. If this would have happened. I didn't do it. It didn't happen. It ended. It's over. It's dead. Draw a conclusion. That thing is done. Jesus said, I can't use you because you still have commitments to a dead man. Wow. Wow. The last one. I am getting through this fast. Glory to God. Can I get some extra time today? Closure. Closure. Now, when we think about closure, we generally think about it in regards to relationship, which can be beneficial. Sometimes relation, sometimes closure is not beneficial. I almost called it, it called as much as that. When closure is not beneficial. Verse 61, he said, and another also said, Lord, this is him approaching Jesus. I will follow thee. But let me go and bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No man who says, Lord, he approached Jesus. Mind you. So my question is, he approached Jesus and said, Lord, let me follow you. And Jesus responded, cool, come on. 
And he said, well, let me go say goodbye first. Did you really have faith in what you asked God for? Because had you had faith in what you asked God for, you would have got your business handled before you asked him for that. Here's a side note. It wasn't in my notes. But so many of us, again, I've mentioned it before, so many of us are asking God for something you're not really ready to handle. You're not really ready for the answer. You're asking God because it's popular, because you see two other people. You heard about two other people on the road say, I will follow you. You, you saw something happening. You heard about Jesus and you, you heard about this great movement he was having. You heard about these miracles he was having. You heard about these dead people he was raising up. And so you just got, got it excited and you got led by your emotions. And, and so you said, Lord, I want to follow you. Not prepared for the answer he was going to give you. Because had you been prepared for the answer he was going to give you, you would say, I'm going to kiss y'all goodbye. I love y'all. Just in case Jesus really do it, I believe that he's going to do it. I believe that he's going to answer this prayer. I believe that he's going to let me follow him. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and bid you farewell. I love you. Give everybody a hug and a kiss. Tell everybody who I didn't see today that I love them. And i see you on the other side because I believe that what I'm about to ask God for, he's about to answer. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Can I tell you? If you believe what you ask God for, start walking in that thing. Glory to God. Don't approach God and don't believe in what you're asking God for. What do you say? Hebrews 11 and 6. He that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What is he? He is the answer to the question I'm about to ask you. He is my deliverer. He is my way maker. He is my peace offering. He is my God. He is my bread. He is my food. He is my water. He is my God. And if I ask him, I already come to him with the conclusion that he's going to do what I ask him already. And so that's how you got to walk into it. That's how you got to approach it. If you are going to ask God the question, believe that he is. This man didn't. This man didn't get it right. You approach Jesus. You bother Jesus. And were not ready for the answer he was going to give you. And the problem is, you could miss your moment not being ready for the answer that you're asking God for. Lord, give me this opportunity. He say, okay, the window, the door's open. Okay, first let me go back here. Then why'd you ask me? Why'd you ask me? Jesus was busy. He was on his way. He had a couple of other things he had to do. I got things I got to do because, by the way, I'm getting ready to die for the sins of the world. So I, I'm kind of busy. My agenda is filled. And so you bother me by coming and asking me for a thing that you are not really ready for the answer for. So why bother a busy God when you just really, you really want to just hear the response of yes, you can. So you can go back and tell everybody, Jesus said I could go. He said I can follow him. But what's the point of asking for it if you're not prepared for the answer he's going to give you? You're going to miss the moment. 
You're going to miss the moment. David, when he got ready to go up to war, he asked the Lord, Lord, shall I go up? And the Lord said yes, and so he went out to the battlefield and were able to kill the men because he got the permission, but he was prepared for the answer. Don't ask God. Don't bother God if you're not prepared for the answer. Lord, help me to go back to school. Okay, I'm going to give you the mind. I'm going to give you the scholarship. I'm going to give you the, I'm going to make the crooked path straight. I'm going to give you, I'm going to clear the way. Okay, let me go and do this first. Lord, I want my company to be successful. I want, I want, to, I want my company to be busy. I want us to have more clients than we ever had before. Okay, I'm going to give you the grace to do it. Okay, let me go back to this. Look how ridiculous that sounds. Lord, I want my marriage to be successful. I want to have a great relationship with my husband, with my wife. Okay, I'm going to give you all the grace to do it. Okay, but let me go back here first. How ridiculous is it that we bother God for questions and want a response, and once you get it, you are not prepared for the response? Then what are you doing wasting the breath? What are you doing making the request? Somebody else could have bothered Jesus with a request that they were really ready for. Lord, Heal my eyes, heal my mother, heal the sick, raise the dead. But you instead trying to fulfill your own ego and fulfill your own needs by being wanted by somebody else and being needed by somebody else that you are not ready for the response Jesus gave you. Yes. Wow. I'm going to give you a small window. This is, this is for somebody in this room. I don't know who. Maybe you're watching online. But the Lord said, I'm giving you a window. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm giving you a window for the thing you have asked me for. I'm giving you a window for the thing you have asked me for. And it is a small window that's going to lead to a big season. Oh, I'm going to give you, if you ever notice, if you look outside, if you go outside tomorrow, they say it's supposed to rain here. And you'll be able to go out, you look at your window and see what's happening on the outside. And if you go through the window, it's going to lead you to what's happening in the current season. So God said, I'm going to give you a window, a window that's going to lead to the next season of your life. I'm going to open a window that's going to lead to the next season of your life. Oh, that sounds familiar, Malachi 3 and 10. For a bring you all these tithes and offerings to the soul, have that proven out here when said the Lord hopes that I'll not open up to you a window, the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing that you would not have room enough to receive. God said, I'm going to open up a window, and once you go through that window of time, that window of this opportunity, then there's going to be a new a season that you're going to walk into. But it's a window I'm going to open. I'm not going to open a major door. I'm not going to open the side like you can do in a banquet hall where you have a collapsible wall. I'm not doing that. Because I don't want just anybody to do it. And if you see how big the space is, then you will take for granted how long the window is going to be open. There's a window that is opening that's going to lead to your next season, but it's going to be based off of your movement if you receive it or not. Thus says the Lord. It's going to lead you to your next season. It's going to lead you to your next season. 
closure. The closure that you need is when you decide to move forward. Thank you. Now, the psychologists say that you need the closure to deal with. Sometimes we need it to heal our hearts and to heal our minds and to settle things. But look at it like this. Jesus said, okay, follow me. The man said, let me go back and say goodbye to my family that's at home. He said, no, follow me. Because if you look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom. And it sounds so bad. It sounds so bad. Why would you just let me go say goodbye to them? If you go back there, the enemy is going to try to grab you and keep you back there. Because everybody heard the response I gave you. And I already took into account the emotional toll it was going to take on you to go forward. I knew the emotional toll it would take on you to go further and not be able to go back there and properly get the closure you wanted. I knew what it would take and I knew what it would cost you and I counted all the cost up before I gave you the yes. I knew what it would take for you to go further, for you to step further with me. I took all that into account. Otherwise, I would have said yes, but go kiss them goodbye first. I said yes, come follow me, because I knew what it would take for your yes. That's the reason why you cannot, don't discount somebody else's praise. Don't discount somebody else's walk. Don't discount somebody else's uh, uh, relationship because you don't know the cost of their yes. The cost of the yes means I had to walk away from people I loved without the proper closure. I had to walk away from some things that, that I didn't even properly get to say goodbye to to follow him. The reason why he says if you if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not worthy, is because looking back is an indicator that it still has you. It still has you. And you deem that voice more powerful than mine. You deem them and it more powerful than me and you trusted that voice more than you trusted mine that's the reason why he says if you put your hand to the plow and you look back you're not worthy of the kingdom you're not fit for the kingdom because I can't have you following a dumb thing and looking back because the plow was you were, you were there to really steer the oxen and the oxen is a dumb thing 
And so the oxen is going to go according to how you steer the plow. But if you steer the plow and look back, the oxen, because it has nobody to guide it, is going to go off and veer off to the left or right. And so you'll end up messing up your destiny by looking back in the rearview mirror on yesteryear to the good old days, to how things used to be, to when things were better, to when, when y'all were happier, to when you had more money, to you when you had less stress, to when you had less problems. And God said, I can't use you because you're too busy thinking about what happened then. And you're too busy thinking about, Lord, I just need one more shot at that so I can get closure in that area. And he said, you're not fit because that past is the past. And I can't have you tied to it and tied to me at the same time. I can't have you walking with me but looking back at it at the same time. Almost like you're walking back from a distant lover. And the train is pulling off. And I love you, Johnny. The train conductor can't even hear the conversation. The train conductor isn't worried about it because the train conductor has another stop to make. But you're so busy. I love you. I love you. I want to stay. And God said, I can't use you. And you're going to be unproductive in your walk because all you do is go back to the way things were. When things were better. When they were alive. When you were younger. And all of it is legitimate. And it's, it's good to have happy memories. It's good to have memories. I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching against memories. But I'm preaching against letting those memories hold you back from your present and your future. There's a destiny God has for you. But you can't get it looking back. We know the story about Lot's wife. When the Lord judged the, the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah for their wicked acts. And he told them, get out. I'm going to destroy the city. Whatever you do, don't look back. And as they were moving along, Lot's wife turned around and instantly was turned to a pillar of salt. If you read the next verse, it says Abraham looked and saw what happened at the city and he was amazed. I said, Lord, what's the difference? Abraham looked at it so did Lot's wife. And he was able to look at the calamity. And you didn't do nothing to him. He said, because I gave her a strict order to go forward and not look back. That was not part of Abraham's past. So it didn't have a tie on him. It didn't have a, an emotional connection that it had on Lot's wife. This is my childhood. This is where I grew up. I went to school right over there, right around the corner. My cousins grew up over there, and we used to go to the corner store back there. And I got all this history back here. Let me just look at it one more time. Instantly, she was turned to a pillow of salt. 
instantly. She ruined her destiny because the past had her and God didn't. Does the past have you and God doesn't? Is the past louder in your ear than God's word is? The past, when you were stronger, when you felt younger, when you felt more vibrant, it has all of your attention, all of your stories about what you used to do, not about what you're going to do. Remember when? Remember when, man? Every time you see that same person, remember when? Now, look at what I'm doing now. Man, I'm getting ready to open up this, and I'm getting ready to do that, and I'm getting ready to walk into this, and I got to meet next week and pray for me. No. Remember the biscuits Mama used to make? Remember when we all used to sit around at the family reunion? Remember that? And those memories have you locked in. It's like quicksand. And you can never get out. And the more you dig your hand down and get your foot, you get stuck again. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Double-minded. Present the past. I'm unstable because you want God to work like he did back then. And though he is the same, his methods change. Why would I bless you like I did 25 years ago? Your responsibilities are different. Your stress level is different. The things that I put in front of you are different. Why would it? The world is different. I blessed you 25 years ago before they had a cell phone. You had to go to somebody's house. You had to go to a payphone and call somebody. You had to take handwritten notes. I blessed you like that 25 years ago because that was the dispensation of time you were in. Now, you don't even have to write a paragraph. Now, all you got to do is tell ChatGPT what you want the paragraph to say, and it will come out on the page. It's a new day. Why am I going to bless you like I did then? Your closure is in your first step forward. Your first step forward. And resisting the temptation to look back at the past as if that was more relevant than what God is calling you to. For what he's calling you to, your past cannot hold you to. Here's something else too. You gotta be mindful of who you talk to and who you communicate with because there are people who love revisionist history. We can all think of a person, as soon as I say it, that comes up, all they do is talk about the past. And you find it hard, though you love them, to communicate with them because you want to talk about the things that God is taking you to. And you want to talk about where you are and where you're going. And they say, child, we don't do that. Child, you know, we from the country. You know, this and that. And they have the revisionist history. You have got to stop talking to those people. Love them. 
Talk to them about what we're going to eat at the family reunion. Talk to them about how the kids growing up. But don't talk to them about your destiny because they cannot handle it. They may have your skin, they may have your DNA, but they do not have your focus, they do not have your drive, they do not have your commitment, they do not have your vision. Another note. Don't expect somebody else, though they are related to you or even married to you, to have your vision. They will support you and love you, but they cannot see it the way you see it because God gave it to you in your belly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love you. They will support you. They will care for it because it is something that you are birthing and they love you too much to let it go down, but they will not see it the way you do because God gave you the vision. It's for you to write the vision. Make it plain. It's for you to do it. You can be, look at them for support, but you cannot look at them to fulfill the vision. Because if he wanted them to fulfill the vision, he would have gave it to them. You put all the weight on them to see the vision in totality. They're not the ones dreaming about it. They're not the ones walking around in the daytime seeing it. They're not the ones when they see a certain building, they see a certain uh, arena, they hear certain music that, that the thing that God promised you it pops in your mind, it pops in your spirit and you look at you look at movies and TV different because you can see what God has promised you they're not the ones that can see it that way because he didn't give it to them that way now for their vision, they can see all of those things but for your vision, you've got to trust what God gave you and you cannot use them as a crutch as to why you didn't get there. That's right. That's good. That's good. They are there to support you and love on you. And maybe if they never work for the company but they support you, that's good enough. That's good enough. That is good enough. I'd rather have my wife all day than have a co-worker. I don't need a co-worker. I can hire one of them. I need my wife because she loves me in a way that, that these people will never love me. They'll love you as long as they get in the paycheck. Once that paycheck dries up, so does the love. Suddenly the love ran out. Does this make sense? Is this okay? Closure. Sometimes it's not beneficial because your closure is in your moving forward yeah. and not looking back. Remember Lot's wife? Remember Lot's wife? Remember what you will lose out on turning around to look back at the past. Remember, here's something else to last point. The enemy will always tempt you and say, remember what fun you had and remember this. Remember when you was out in them streets and how good it was. Remember this. Man, you were making so much money that you were doing all this and that. Man, everybody knew your name on the streets. Everybody knew your name. He fails to tell you. Remember when you almost got shot in the club? 
Remember when you thought somebody poisoned you? Remember when that person betrayed you? Re re remember when you almost died? Re re remember when you when you tore up every relationship in your life because you were still in them streets and you were still having a good time and it was fun and games, but people didn't trust you, people didn't, didn't, didn't like you, and you had to build the trust back of your friends and family because you were just a liar and a manipulator and a scammer and God had to rebuild your name up among your family members. Remember that? See, he, he'll remind you of all that good shiny stuff, but he won't remind you of that other stuff. He won't remind you of the hell you went through and the cost you had to pay and how you almost died in your sins and died in your iniquity, but God saved you and said, I'm going to clean you up and I'm going to make you fit for my kingdom. No more looking back. Stand to your feet, please. No more looking back. No more looking back. No more looking back. No more looking back. I'm going to walk in my consistency, my conclusions, and my closures. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to come to a conclusion. And I'm going to have this closure, which is me moving forward. All three things are steps. I didn't see it at first. I didn't see it like that at first. All three of these things are steps towards next. You got to have your consistency. You got to have your closure, your, your conclusions. Then you got to have your closure. I'm going to walk towards the thing God has called me to do. Here's my eyes closed. Father, your word has been spoken. God, we thank you for consistency, conclusions, and closure. Thank you, Lord, for answering prayers. Thank you for speaking to us, God. Thank you for direction. Thank you, Lord, for answering unspoken prayers. Thank you for healing our broken hearts. Thank you for healing us in areas we didn't even know we needed healing in. But I thank you. Because we are consistent, we can come to a conclusion and have closure and move towards our destiny and the thing you called us to do. Now, God, we thank you that our destiny is at hand. In Jesus' name, for the next 30 seconds, I want you to praise and worship God. Come on, worship him. Worship him, yeah. For another chance. Worship him for another opportunity. Worship him because he didn't let you die in your iniquity. Worship him. Worship him because he lifted up your head. Worship him because he set you free. Worship him because he didn't judge you. Worship him because he kept you. Because he strengthened you. Because he built you. He delivered you. He set you free. If you're watching online, you this is your moment to worship him. In your living room, on your couch, this is your, your opportunity to worship him. Whether you're watching 
at work or in your car, wherever you're watching, the Spirit of the Lord is there to give liberty. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity. The past started happening. Those dead things thought they had me. Thank you, Lord, that you can find a solid place in me. Thank you, Lord, you can find a solid place in me to lay down and rest. You can trust me, Lord, because my consistency is here. Thank you, God. We worship you, God. We honor you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, you talk to him for yourself for the next 30 seconds. This is a private conversation. You talk to him for yourself. Whatever this word meant to you. I'm loosed. 
I'm walking out of the jail cell of the past. I am free. You won't torture me like you used to. I am free. I got my hands on the plow, Lord. The only way we go is forward. My hands are on the plow. I wouldn't have been able to hold the plow like this a year ago, six months ago, three months ago. But today, God, I'm free. My hands are on the plow. I'm moving forward. I hear you calling me. Yeah, I hear you saying my name. I hear you. I hear you. Johnny. Anti. Kareem. Pastor. I hear you calling me. But guess what? I ain't going to look back. I hear you calling me devil. I hear you calling me. Dante, no, no, I ain't looking back. Herod, no, I ain't looking back. Come on, I ain't looking back. I hear you calling me. Warren, I ain't looking back. Robert Keller, I ain't looking back. I'm going to keep going right on the way I'm going. I bet you, devil, you're going to have to run up and try to catch me before I look back and give you my attention. I bet you that much. Glory to God. I bet you that much you have to run after me and try to get my attention, but I ain't going to look back and give it to you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You don't get my attention no more. My attention is too expensive and you don't have enough money. Glory to God. You don't have enough stuff. I don't give you my attention no more. No. You had my attention back then. I got too much to do now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Have, take your seats two minutes. Two minutes. I'm going to ask you to sow into this moment. Sow into if you need a, one of these cards or if you need an actual offering envelope. We have an offering envelopes in the back if you want to do old-fashioned yeah, I'm going to ask you to sow into this. And I'm going to ask you to stretch a little bit because I'm going to ask you to sow into your destiny. Sow into where we're going. Not sowing into the past. We're not sowing into the present. We're sowing into the future. God has so much in store for this church, for this ministry, and I'm going to ask you to sow into it. I'm going to ask you to sow into it. Put, put a seed into the ground and watch God nourish it. Put a seed into the ground and watch things flourish. Put a seed into the ground and watch things blossom. Put a seed into the ground and watch your business take off. Put a seed into the ground and watch your ministry take off. Put a seed into the ground and watch the harvest. I believe God for a harvest, a supernatural harvest. No planter puts a seed in the ground without expecting the harvest. That's right. I got my amen corner in the back right there. Amen. Yeah, hallelujah. Glory to God. I love it. Glory to God. I put a seed in the ground. I don't put a seed in the ground and not expect a harvest. Glory to God. I expect a harvest. Press down, shake together, run it over. While I cause men to give unto your bosom. My God. We're going to talk about that next week. Glory to God. I'm going to call people to like you. I'm going to cause people to find favor on you. I'm going to cause people to do something nice for you because I gave you favor. You found favor with the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is going to be one of those messages. I'm going to generally take it down and, and kind of do some edits to it. And, and, and once that happens tomorrow, It'll be up a little bit today, but this is one of those messages you need to go back and re-listen to. Consistency, conclusions, and closure. Because the devil is fighting you on yesterday. Yeah. The, devil, the devil has no strength to fight.
fight you for the future because the future, the tomorrow belongs to God. Tomorrow belongs to God. And that's why Jesus said, we talked about it a few weeks ago, about the, the dangers of overthinking. And Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to take care of itself because God is already in your tomorrow. And the devil knows that. He knows that the God has so much in store for you. You got to understand. You got to understand. Then I'll pray. You got to understand that Satan was once an angel in God's army. Okay? So if he was an angel, then that means that if you are in the army, where are my former military? All right? Amen. Good. So you're in the army of the Lord. That's what you are. So if you were once in the military, you now have, you had privy. You were privy to information that the regular civilian would not have. So if the enemy was an angel and he was in charge of praise, he always tries to stop your praise. But if he was once an angel, then that means that he was privy to information about you that the regular civilian is not privy to. So the reason why he fights you is because he knows what God is going to do to you and what God is going to do through you. So again, he cannot fight yo, he cannot fight God, he can only fight the perception of God. So he wants to say, God is not going to bless you like that. He knows he is, because he already saw the blueprints of what God has in store for you. So he wants to push you off your counter and say, God is not really going to do you do that for you. It's a Jedi mind trick. If you uh, watch Star Wars, it's a mind trick he's trying to play on you. Because he already knows that God is going to do something to you. But if he can get you distracted long enough, he can get you to miss that window and miss what God is going to do for you. Because he already knows. He already saw the blueprints. So he said, let me, get, let, me, let me stop them. Let me distract them. Because I already know God is going to bless them. Let me distract them with their present problems because I know what God is about to do. Let me distract them with what they're going to do because I already know what God is going to do. Now, God's going to get the glory out of it, but let me get in their way and distract them with their present problems and talk about the past of the good old days. And so if they get distracted with the present problem and the past with the good old days, they'll never look to the future. And you won't really look to your future because you'll be scared of your future because you had a good past and you have a shaky future present and the future, you're almost scared to really rest in that because you say, God, I don't want to get my hopes up again. I don't want to get excited about something and end up losing it again. The Lord told me you're not going to lose it this time. I don't know who this is for. You are not going to lose it this time. You are stronger now. You're wiser now. You're better now. You know how to prioritize things. This time, when the blessing comes, you're not going to lose it. This is a blessing into longevity. This is a blessing that's going to affect the next four generations. Glory to God. This is a blessing. This blessing you're about to walk into, this window that leads to a season, is not a season like we think of in a season of years, where it's every three or four months. No, this is a season, a span of time, which means it's going to outlive you. It's going to live past your children. It's going to live past up to four generations. This is a season, a wave of blessing after blessing after blessing. Can you receive that? Do you receive that? Lift your seats to the Lord. Stand and lift your seats to the Lord. This is a wave of blessing. This is an ongoing wave. This is not a, a one-time occurrence. This is an ongoing wave. 
I wish above all things in God that you prosper and be in good health, even if your soul does prosper. And Father, right now we lift up these seeds to you, God. We lift them up, God, and we bless them, and we, we thank you, Lord. And we proclaim the blessing of the Lord is upon them, God. And we proclaim, God, that in every area we need it, whether health in our body, health in our mind, health in our finances, health in our relationship, health at work, God, whether we're believing you for a promotion, whether we're believing you, God, for a deal to come through, whether we're believing you, God, for a door to close, whether we are believing you, God, for a door to open. Whatever way, God, your people are believing you, we believe you, we stand on it right now, and we say thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. We praise you in advance for what's going to come. Miracle signs and wonders. We praise you in advance for the harvest that we know we can expect because of the seed we put into the ground. And we water this seed with the praise right now. And we clap our hands and we celebrate and we say, thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. I feel good. I feel good. You feel good? Good, good. I'm glad you feel good. Sister Reese, come and pray us out. I love you all. I'll see you next week. My God, what a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God. This woman of God was in the hospital laid up almost two weeks. And the devil said, it's time for you to go. I'm going to take you out of here. But God said, not yet, not on my watch, devil. He said, I got more in store for you. He said, I got more in work in store for you. Greater work shall ye be able to do. My God, the best is yet to come. You have not begun to see what God is going to do. You're going to see what the affliction was about. You're about to see what the trouble was about. And the devil knew it, and that's why he fought you. But glory be to God for what he's about to do. Come on, celebrate this woman in our Father, we thank you so much for what has taken place on today.